Welcome to the Encounter Mercy podcast. I'm really excited about today. We This is a very special episode. I'm looking forward to this one too. Oh yeah, we have our very first guest. We've been trying to set this up for a while, and so now that we finally got him captive, I think we can't let him go. All right, we, we don't have to let him go. This we don't have fun. to. Okay, so who are we talking to? So we are talking to a Benedictine monk out of St. Vincent Archabbey. Is that in Latrobe? Latrobe, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Yeah, that's where I went to seminary, and he and I uh, knew each other from seminary. He is, not only is he a monk, but he's also the campus minister. One of the few, yeah, yeah. He is in seminary himself right. to become a priest. Right. And one of the greatest features about this person is he runs an awesome Instagram <laughs> account called Monk on the Streets that you're going to have to check out. So I would like to welcome Brother Barnabas. Thanks for joining us and welcome. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Really glad you, uh, you we were able to uh, find time uh, th- that both w- that worked out for all of us that we, we could have you on because ever since Andy introduced me to your Instagram page, I've just I I love it. I look forward to every single episode y- you post on there. So we'll get to that in a little bit. But okay. you know what I kind of really want to start off with is you know I don't have very much experience uh, talking to monks, and I know most of our listeners probably have had. Um, very limited experience or none at all. So can you tell us, one, tell us a little bit about yourself and, you know, how you got to be where you are? Yeah. Um, well, thanks guys for having me. I, uh, I still um, am figuring out how I ended up becoming a monk. <laughs> um, occasionally I'll be like hanging out with some friends like over Christmas and everyone looks, you know, the same as they did in college, but maybe a little bit heavier or bolder. And uh, I remember, like, one of our other uh, monks, Father Isaac, he was there. And I was like, oh, yeah, there's Father Isaac. You know, I live with him. He's at the monastery. And then I looked down and I saw that I was wearing a habit. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I forgot this. <laughs> you know, when you're, like, in the old context of, like, your old friends. And um, other, like, funny stuff happens, too, when you're, uh, <laughs> when you're a monk. Because I was at Walmart yesterday trying to buy some ice cream before Bible study. So I'm buzzing around Walmart and uh, um, I go into the ice cream aisle and uh, as has happened to me a couple of times, uh, like adults will look at you and just kind of not sure how to handle you because you're wearing like this long robe, like the Benedictine habit. But this little kid uh, looks at me and then without any shame, just turns to its mom or her mom and says, mommy, why is that man wearing a dress? <laughs> and I thought, well, yeah, I guess that's what it looks like. But um, anyway, yeah, I bec- so I'm uh, just took solemn vows this past summer. That means that I'm lifed up at the monastery here at St. Vincent, and um, they can't get rid of me. Well, that's, so that's that's good. In my opinion, now as as a brother and someone that you know, I just enjoyed your uh, our relationship when we were in seminary together. Like that's, I'm, I'm glad to hear about that because I was going to ask you how far along you are now. Cause that is important. So like explain to our listeners what it means to be a, a novice, a junior monk, and then finally now have being in solemn vows, a, a senior <clears throat> monk. Yeah. So, um, it, in religious life in general, there's different phases of entry and formation. And, um, at St. Vincent, the way that we do it, um, you start with uh, a novitiate year. So you're a novice, a new member. And the rule of St. Benedict says that the primary 
uh, characteristic for a man or a woman enter, entering the Benedictine life is to see whether they seek God. And uh, I definitely discovered that that's the only reason for someone to stay because the novitiate is definitely a, a, a test in your fortitude and your patience. Novitiate, you kind of enter, you have no cell phone, no computer, no internet, nothing like that. Um, and it was weird, like in, in our kind of age today, they gave me a cell phone back once I uh, started doing campus ministry. Um, and some days I wish that I didn't have it again, uh, just from the simplicity of it. But uh, I remember during our novitiate, a lot of the guys, we'd have like phantom phone buzz in our pocket. You know, yeah. just, you're, you're like, dude, I, I'm thinking I'm getting a phone call. You know, I like, man, you don't have a cell phone. Like, you're not getting a phone call. <laughs> it was weird. But um, the novitiate is the first year. It's just a total year of prayer and discerning. Is this where I want to be? And then uh, if you complete that phase, then uh, at St. Vincent, we have three years of what's called simple profession or simple vows, where you're a full-time monk, <coughs> excuse me, but it's kind of a year-to-year basis and you're still on probation. Um, so I just completed those three years and now I took what's called final profession or solemn vows where uh, I'm full-time monk of the Order of St. Benedict and uh, now I'm in the process of uh, also uh, studying for the priesthood. That's fantastic. Congratulations. Thank you. That's Thank you. that's that's quite an achievement. That is quite an achievement. So uh, let's rewind just a little. Why, what made you, what did you do before this? And what made you uh, want to choose this lifestyle? Yeah, so um, I grew up, you know, in a pretty good Catholic family. Um, I was one of five kids and always grew up altar serving and stuff like that. And I remember my dad would tell my, myself and my two brothers, I have two brothers, he'd always say, boys, I'm praying that one of you becomes a priest. And we'd always look at each other and be like, it's not going to be me. It's not gonna be me. <laughs> so anyway, you know, went, grew up in high school and uh, stuff like that. And um, I was always kind of like uh, in high school, uh, a reflective type kid. I really struggled with like OCD and really just kind of getting too stuck in my head. Um, but I think all the trials of kind of getting too stuck in my head and figuring out some mental health stuff when I was in high school helped me kind of become compassionate and sensitive to people and their needs and stuff. Uh, so when I went to college, I really just got involved in campus ministry at St. Vincent. That's where I went to the college at St. Vincent, uh, where I'm at now. And uh, I just fell in love with, with the Lord in my prayer. And uh, we had a wonderful community of, of so a lot of awesome guys and girls and um, just grew my faith and um, it wasn't until after college uh, for any college kids listening to this the transition out of college can be pretty tough and you just figure out well, what am I supposed to do so after college I worked for one year um, in a lab of monkeys uh, literally like monkey like planet, rise of the planet of the apes what? I took care of monkeys that, yeah at the University of Pittsburgh so what did you go to school for? and Biology. Biology. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So I was taking care of these monkeys and it was hard, man. Like I was working on Sundays and I'd walk around the lab like 
by myself with these monkeys, listening to like Mumford and Sons, hopeless <laughs> wanderers. Like, what am I doing in my life? <laughs> so I like to call that my first year of novitiate. That's, that's <laughs> great. It was pretty much just me. And um, it was during that year that I really just began to pray more deeply uh, because I no longer had campus ministry situation around me to have Jesus just be kind of my social group, you know? Um, I was no longer going to church because like my friends were there, but it was because our Lord was my sustaining kind of relationship. Yeah. And uh, after that, then I, I was starting to feel a call to the priesthood and I was dating a girl after college and everything. And I was trying to resist any thoughts of priesthood. Cause I was like, that's not in the plans. But once I kind of uh, gave in to say, yeah, I think I, I want to do that. I, uh, I served two years as a missionary with a group called St. Paul's Outreach, and um, I was stationed at West Virginia University, uh, Go Mountaineers. So it was during that time I was able to see more clearly that God not only was calling me to enter the seminary, but to do it in a uh, in the context of community, which for me was a no-brainer that St. Vincent would be a perfect spot to give it a try since I had known the monks uh, from college. Very cool. So can you tell us a little bit about... Um Saint Benedict and and um in the Benedictine monks compared to say the Dominicans, the Franciscans, and what is it about you that is is different? Yeah. <clears throat> well Saint Benedict is cool. Um he's so Saint Benedict kind of popularized monasticism um back in the five hundreds, but he inherited even a richer tradition before him. Uh, starting with St. Anthony in the desert, who was like this hardcore dude, went out into the desert, lived as a hermit. And uh, it's recorded that the devil said to St. Anthony, um, you know, I give up, you win. You're like too holy for me. Like he couldn't get him to break down. Meanwhile, that was like a temptation for Anthony to get built up in pride, which he saw coming and still didn't resist. It just still didn't give in. Uh, after Anthony was um, St. Pacomius as a big uh, advocate and, and influence on monasticism. He was the first dude that uh, made like communal monasticism. Though he was a uh, a military man, and he was all about like having guys be together and do the race together. And a really cool kind of line, famous line from Saint Pacomius's life was uh, before he was a Christian. He um, he was in prison, I guess, as a prisoner of war, and. Uh, they're all just the prisoners together and there's these high up windows in the jail. And all of a sudden one day this bread starts falling through the, the windows and Pacomius, it looks at like his buddy and says, what's going on? And his buddy turns to him and says, they call themselves Christians. Right. So after that, Pacomius was so struck by this Christian people that he became a Christian, eventually became a monk and brought other people to do it in community. So then fast forward, further down in time um you get to saint benedict uh, who lived you know right around year 500 he uh he was known for uh, so he, he was in college i guess college age kid his parents sent him to rome he's from uh, a place called nursia outside italy in italy uh but he goes to rome and he's really trying to pursue uh, a holy life but realize like just like any other college kid that there's a lot of pressures so he ends up just ditching college in Rome, goes and becomes a hermit 
in this place called Subiaco outside Rome and lives in this cave. And, uh, you know, he's a great example that holiness is attractive because he tried to run from the world, but um, people heard about him and knew that there was this holy young man up in the in this cave and they'd come to him seeking his advice and his counsel. Um, so eventually he, he became uh, the abbot of this early monastic community of these guys that were trying to do monastic community together. Well, he actually, uh, he, he uh, reluctantly agreed to it. And once he started doing it, eventually uh, the guys realized that, wow, Benedict is really going to challenge us. So eventually they, they, they didn't want him anymore and they needed to get rid of him. So what did they try to do? They tried to poison him. Hey, that's what I hear. <laughs> yeah. Anytime in religious life or family life, you, you think like, oh yeah, these, these are the people that love me the most. Well, everyone eventually realizes, man, these people are trying to poison me. <laughs> well, Benedict, uh, once he got out of that, out of that community and realized, yeah, this isn't a good place for me to be. He started his own first Benedictine community um, in Monte Cassino. Uh, and from there, uh, he's known as the, uh, the patron saint of, of Europe, of Western civilization, the father of, of Western civilization, because from what he could do, bringing men together in communities, um, you look at different famous monasteries in Europe, and then eventually in the United States, cities would be built around these monasteries. So these men who are trying to leave the world to pray, the world would come and surround around these monasteries and, uh, and build towns and cities. So St. Vincent, where I'm at now, is a, a beautiful place of community. Um, and uh, we have a lot of awesome ministry and hospitality. If anybody ever wants to come and visit St. Vincent, you know, come on out and do a retreat or something. Yeah, I want to second that because it, it's wonderful for retreats and just some time away from world and I don't know. I just enjoy listening to and participating in the uh, liturgy, the hours that priests have to do. the The way the Benedictines do it is mostly in song, and yeah. it's just very beautiful. Oh, I'd love to get down there. Oh, it's, I it's would absolutely totally love it. worth. And I, I'm grateful. My diocese, the diocese of Erie, our diocese, all the priests go to St. Vincent's for a week every year, oh, and cool. we just spend a week there. So you know, I always enjoy going and seeing everybody, but it's. It's a wonderful place, and you're right, uh, brother. It is a beautiful, beautiful campus there. And of course, like you said, it just the cities start to come around it, you know, because uh, Saint Vincent the Arch Abbey is the original thing there, right? I can't remember the story of it, but uh, Saint Vincent Arch Abbey, founded by Boniface Wimmer, was like the first thing founded in near Latrobe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're the first uh, Benedictine monks in the United States. And uh, the largest in the United States, um, and one of the largest in the world. I yeah, think. I, think we oh, I didn't realize that. He got it on our roster. Wow! So, pretty big. It's huge. Yeah, but talking about our, our prayer, uh, Father Andy. You know, I love how we pray together, um, but sometimes it's it's almost it's it's too good for me. It's too soothing that sure. I fall asleep. Yeah. And that's actually been my biggest formation <laughs> issue, like getting yelled out for falling asleep. And I've tried to argue, like. Hey, listen, you know, you wake me up at 615 in the morning and have like 100 guys like chant the Psalms to me. Uh, I'm going to fall asleep. So, yeah. How, how old does that go? How old? <laughs> so what's uh, tell me about like uh, an average day for you? What do you do? Oh, man. 
Um, well, it, de- it depends on what time of year it is. So this today we just started a new semester. And, um, yeah, we wake up and have a uh, monk prayer together at 6.15 a.m., followed by mass. Uh, and then we have we always have a meal after we eat. Um, and then I had two classes in the morning, um, followed by, like, lunch. I had more class in the afternoon. Um, and then working in campus ministry, I'll have different meetings or meet up with students and stuff like that, which is great. Um, so my days, especially during the school, year are usually about at least to 11 or midnight um so they're long days and we just got off christmas break which is nice because i felt like i could be a monk again just kind of be quiet (laughs) but um yeah it's you go from your novitiate year where everything's super slow and calm and prayerful to things really getting kicked into gear once you get into ministry so i just uh i really want to i know i keep saying we're going to take it back but let's really break down you know, what is a monk? What is a priest? How do they differentiate? Because uh, here's, how am I not you and you're not ex- me? And exactly. Yet we're the same thing. Exactly. Because again, I want to, we have, like, as I mentioned before, we have a lot of Protestant listeners. We have a lot of people who, you know, don't even consider themselves Christian who listen and probably have no idea. You know, they just heard what a monk is. They might think of a Buddhist monk, but you know, how in the, in the Catholic church, you know, what is a monk, and and how are they compared to a priest? And and obviously, we've kind of already answered the question, but you know, can a monk become a priest? And all those questions that you know we constantly have to field, and uh, the things that you and I both have dealt with now <laughs> since I studied at the seminary there, and you have to the monks have to break in the diocesan guys and show them this is how life really is, you know. But yeah, you you answer this time. I talk too much. Let's let's let the, I'll have the guest answer. You yeah. can mute me if you there need you to, go. Vince. I feel like I have too many Walmart stories, but there was another time I was at Walmart. I go to Walmart a lot. That's all we do in like, Latrobe is go to Walmart. Anyway. That's pretty much all there is. So <laughs> I was at Walmart one time buying stuff, and this guy comes up to me, and he's just like, hey, are you a monk? And I was like, "Um, yes, I am. And then he asked me right there at the register, like, what's the difference between a monk and a priest? <laughs> so I'm like, oh, gosh, how do I say this in like 20 seconds? Because like people are in line waiting to get through the, the register. But um, yes, yeah, so a, uh, a monk is uh, a monk or monos uh, means like one, like an individual. And um, a monk is a man who uh, takes vows to God uh, to be completely dedicated to God and to live in community. So as I was saying before, um, traditionally in history, you see different monks can be hermits and whatnot. Um, but St. Benedict, the founder of the order that I'm a part of, while he started out as uh, a hermit, a man who was trying to seek a relation with God totally and fully, he, he lived in a cave by himself and then later on became a member of a community. In his rule for monks that he wrote, the rule of St. Benedict, he actually recommends that um, a man become a monk in community first and then discern if he's called to go out and do, do something like be a hermit. And, um, I'm definitely not called to, to be a hermit. Um, I, I need the discipline of my brothers to remind me to keep praying and, and stay, stay on the path. And we just had, but, um, a, we had an episode right before this one. Um, our last episode was on brotherhood and we talked about a lot of these, these same things where, 
you know, a brother is going to correct you, you know, whereas an acquaintance is just going to let you go down that path, you know, whatever it is. And sorry to interrupt you there, but I just felt like I had to interject that. Yeah. The the brotherhood thing was a big piece for me because I had originally discerned that I thought God was calling me to be a priest. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to do that. But then the question came, well, where, where should I do that? And, um, a part of me choosing St. Vincent in the monastery was my experiences that I had in college and as a missionary with St. Paul's Outreach. Because uh, I, li- I lived in a couple different households, right, with, uh, with young men uh, when I was in college. And uh, it was just like, yeah, having guys to live with, to challenge you, to pray with, to have meals with, to, to goof around with yeah. is uh, so good. So. Um, a lot of times I describe the monastery when people are like, well, what's it like in the monastery? I say, well, it's kind of a mix between a retirement home and a fraternity house. That's <laughs> we so have guys true. from like 22 all the way up to 92 in our community. Um, so it's a fun time. And, uh, and, and yeah, so the, we have a lot of guys. So while I'm pursuing um, also priesthood, the difference for a monk, so a monk takes uh, vows. And the vows that a Benedictine monk takes are obedience, obedience to the abbot, the guy in charge of the monastery, um, to stability, uh, so that uh, I am always going to live at St. Vincent. Now, even if I get sent away to a church to help somewhere else or whatnot, I know that I'll always end up back at St. Vincent. Uh, So obedience, stability, and then uh, conversatio or conversion, conversion of life. And what does that mean? It's kind of like includes everything else. For Benedictine monks, it would include the personal poverty so that anything that I have technically belongs to the monastery. Uh, as well as my going to get married, I'm married to God, basically. Um, because other religious orders, you asked earlier, what about Dominicans or... Uh, uh, they're not uh, monks, they're uh, friars, right? So uh, mendicants, kind of similar to monks, and they take similar vows. But the, the general vows that you hear in religious life are poverty, chastity, obedience. Well, Benedictine monks, which are even older than these other orders, um, include a lot of those things in this neat vow called uh, conversion of life. Um, so uh, anyway, not every monk has to be ordained too. So at St. Vincent, we have a lot of guys ordained to be priests, but we have a lot of guys that are not ordained. And people ask, well, if you're going to be a celibate and you're going to give your life to God, why not be a priest and be able to like do all this stuff? And uh, I often just tell people, it's not, God's not calling a, a man to do that. So the call to be a monk and the call to be a priest are two separate calls. So every guy here that becomes a monk first, like myself, I also have to listen and say, is God also calling me to pursue this way of priesthood? So, Yeah, that's a really, I think that's a really good uh, thing to distinguish because, you know, in my life, my experience has always been, I wanted to be a priest and, um, and I just, I chose and felt called to diocesan priesthood, which means that I am, you know, 
and, and uh, you were t- saying that you take vows, but then you'll also take, like I did, once you get ordained, you make promises, and the promises are to the bishop. And so, you, you know, you make a promise of obedience to the bishop. So not only will you have to be obedient to your uh, abbot, but then we also both have to be obedient to the bishop. And that that's kind of in general. Um, we all as Christians, and specifically Catholics, need to be obedient to our bishop and his authority. But um, in a very particular way, when you're a monk, you are obedient to your abbot, your legitimate authority within your community, but then in a specific way when you're ordained to the priesthood or uh, any ordination level, diaconate, priesthood, episcopacy, you are obedient to your bishop. Um, so, you know, I have to be obedient. Uh, I, I make a promise of, we both make a promise of celibacy. We, you've already had to make that, but we make it again in front of the bishop for ordination. Oh gosh, right. what am I forgetting? Oh, seminarian, my friend, help me out here. Oh, for make... promises? Yeah. For priesthood? Oh, that's it. Uh, prayer. Prayer. Yeah, to say the office. The office. We have to pray the yeah. office. How did I yeah. forget that? I See, this is why I'm a bad priest, brother. You know. <laughs> Are you saying your office, Father? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I'm saying my office, but I'm still a bad <laughs> priest because I forget too much. Not okay. to pray the office, but I forget everything else. Like, I'll say. Podcast is, what's the title of this podcast? Who am I? How did I end up here? <laughs> Why am I in someone's random person's basin? Anyway. <laughs> All right. So you're a monk. So you have, you know, you have the responsibilities there. You're going to seminary right now to be a priest. You have those responsibilities. On top of that, you're one of the campus ministers. How do you have time for all this stuff? So if I can interject real quick, Bar- uh, Brother Barnabas, I want you to explain like how you got blindsided by this assignment. Because when you told me the story, it just made me laugh. Because it, it totally, for me at least, coming from experience of seminary, priesthood, and everything with that uh, in between, it just totally fits obedience and, yeah. and the promise that we make for obedience. Okay. So um, during your novitiate, during my novitiate here at the monastery, toward the end of it, um, we take vows in July, July 11th in the Catholic Church at the Feast of St. Benedict, or well, at least one of them. And uh, it was, I think, June 1st that year, so about a month before that, after breakfast, he says, hey, I want to talk to you. I said, okay. Um, I knew that the abbot generally talked to the novices about, like, what do you want to do after you take simple vows? You know, we'll we'll give you a job. So he's talking to me a little bit, and, you know, I had kind of thought about working down at the grist mill. I thought, you know, that would be fun. I get to work down at the grist mill, grind wheat into flour. So he's like, so, yeah, what, what do you think you'd like to do? I said, well, I kind of, I think I'd like to work in the grist mill. You know, that'd be fun. And he goes, okay, well, I, I'm going to have you live in the dorm and be an assistant to the campus minister. And I kind of just sat there like, oh, are you, you know, I, in the monastic life, I'm never really sure. Like the question I often have is, are you telling me this or are you asking me if I want to do this? <laughs> and uh, he, he was telling me like, this is what you're going to do. So I, I was kind of, I was happy, you know, I had done campus ministry work before and everything like that, but definitely was not, um, not expecting that to be my assignment. So it's been awesome. Fantastic. So, all right. I want to, I want to hear a little bit about this grist mill because I would have never expected, do you guys have, do you have a farm or how does this work? Yeah. So man, we used to, uh, we used to have a farm here at St. Vincent back when we were self-sustaining, we had a farm, we had a, a brewery. We used to brew beer. Oh, no. How cool is that? German monastic thing to do. That burned down, unfortunately. Oh, man. We should rebuild it. 
We should I'm go at, down and rebuild it for him. Tell your listeners to donate money for the monks to restart the brewery. Yes. Um, and then we have the one thing still old school that we still have is our grist mill run. The miller is a monk. Um, and uh, basically we have different farmers from around the area. So we still have a lot of land that we loan out to different farmers. They grow different wheat and send it to us. And, uh, and we grind it up and sell and sell flour. So fantastic. All right. So let's go back to campus ministry. And this is something that, you know, part of our mission is to reach young people and, and, and to evangelize. Uh, so working with the students, what would you say is probably one of their biggest struggles, you know, for a college age student these days? Yeah. It's funny as you're, as you're asking me these questions, I'm getting messages from students that I like are time sensitive. So I'm like having to text them back. No, that's oh fine. yeah. Yeah. Do that's it. Um, life. Yeah, man. I don't, I think, uh, I've concluded that, uh, that loneliness is probably like, in my opinion, at the bottom of the barrel, it's like the root problem of at least college age kids, if not most human beings, you know, stuff like you hear, you see in college, like, um, uh, over drinking and crazy partying or sexual promiscuity or, you know, whatever kids doing stupid things. Most of the time is just trying to figure out how to fit in or how to cope with not fitting, you know, all these things that come down to, to loneliness. And, um, I was talking to a student today. She was really like, she's been really growing in her faith. And she's like, I want to, I want to know how to minister to people. Right. And she's, she asked me, she's like, how do you, how do you do it? Like, how do I do it? And I said, well, imagine if there's someone you want to minister to, but they're starving, like they are hungry, right? You can't talk to them about Jesus until you give them like some food. You need to like feed them, get them sustenance. Well, while our students here, um, you know, some of them definitely need support in that way, but most of them are just starving for other basic human needs, such as love such as someone to just listen to them, such as just friendship. So whenever you do basic things like say, hey, do you want to go get lunch together? It's not that, I mean, they're going to eat lunch, but I walked in the cafe today and uh, you can just see like people that sit by themselves. Not that eating food by yourself is bad, but see certain kids that I know are probably eating often by themselves. Yeah. So uh, simple evangelization starts with just trying to provide those human needs that everyone has, such as friendship, um, someone to listen to, and uh, and love. Yeah, in our last episode on on um, brotherhood, I, I brought up the fact that uh, you hear that the the three basic things that all humans crave is safety, belonging, and mattering, and like that's totally from my limited experience of campus ministry work on uh, the Allegheny College campus. Uh, mm-hmm. in Meadville and just watching and hearing your story and watching how you've been working in the campus ministry there and the little bit of work I did on the baseball team, like that is, you're right. You're right. It's the loneliness that they're really, that safety and that belonging is, is really uh-huh. what's missing from a lot of people's lives in general. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, like, I mean, so like what I are, think- what are things that you're like, you're doing with the college kids to try to, like you mentioned, you're going to have lunch with people, which is awesome, you know, and, and you, where did Christ do most of his ministry, but was around the meal and having, uh, you know, breaking a bread and experiencing that um, sharing of his love in a meal. 
So that's yeah. an awesome experience that you're able to share a meal with someone. What are some other things like you notice that uh, as a campus minister, you might be doing to help that yeah. whole experience? Uh, well, I lear- I've learned how to give haircuts. Um, <laughs> so that's pretty helpful. I give a lot of haircuts just to dudes. Sure. I'm too scared to cut a girl's hair. But um, haircuts are great because I give them for free, of course, because I can't, I can't accept money. So I give haircuts. And uh, whenever I give a haircut to a guy, he basically has to sit there as long as I want him to because he's not going to leave his hair. Cut. <laughs> um, that's so that's perfect. Kind of you just, yeah, you know, now you can. You have you could drag it out for twenty minutes, thirty minutes if you wanted right. to. <laughs> That's like, great. Hey, you want to like come on this retreat? And I'm like getting ready to buzz. Okay. <laughs> but uh, I do stuff like that. Another big one is um, I think just having like a space um, or environment, like a physical space for having fellowship or whatever is important. And over here in the dorm that I live, uh, I'm really blessed to have this pretty large apartment. It's I'm sitting in it right now. It's and nice. I, I collect. I joke that I collect couches. I have one, two, three, four, four couches in here. Don't you have one and like up on stilts as so well? I try to let it be a place. Oh, a couch? Yeah. Don't you have like a couch up on stilts from my memory? I, I, I used to. I have tried so many ways to <laughs> increase the seating in this room. You probably saw it back when I tried one method. I've had like. I have the TV up on crates right now. Yeah, now for whatever. Oh, it's yeah. I need I need help with interior decorating, but mm. yeah, my my apartment here has just become like a good place. Now. So we'll have like Bible study events, but then we'll have um, the students have coined this term. Uh, they call it Moho, Ministry of Hanging Out, awesome. where they'll just like say, "All right, we're gonna come watch a movie and try to invite some people," or um, you know, just different different kind of basically hanging out trying to build some community. So tell me about this whole monk on the streets thing you got on Instagram. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, uh, it's been pretty fun. I think we started it, uh, uh, in November, right before Thanksgiving, I was walking through the college, uh, student union one day and there was this group of students that grabbed me and they said, Hey, brother Barnabas, come here. And I said, yeah, yeah, what's going on? And he said, all right, we want to start an Instagram thing called Monken Streets where you just go up to people and ask them random questions about whatever and try to, I, I don't know. They just wanted me to like, they didn't exactly know either. And I said, okay. So I was waiting for them to, to give some details about what, what they wanted to do or what, I didn't even know what Instagram was, you know, um, didn't know how to post anything on it. Uh, and one day I said, all right, well, if you guys keep talking about this, like, let's just go do it. So I just went and started like interviewing people. I'd grab whatever I could find right in front of me. And that would be like a microphone. And I just asked a random question, you know, <laughs> like I really, I would just make it up. I still kind of just make it up as we go. Well, and it's awesome. I mean, just when <laughs> I first got turned on to it was, uh, was because of, um, oh my gosh, who is the priest in charge of campus ministry? Father Killian. Father Killian. Okay. So I follow Father Killian on Instagram and Facebook yeah. and things. And he shared it. And I watched the first few. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is great. This is totally like exactly how I remember how goofy you, you were at in seminary and how awesome it was just to hang out with you and talk with you and chat. And so I thought it was hilarious. The and problem I, is the bar raises now because 
once I mean, once it started to become like a thing, we're like, oh my gosh, like, we have to come up with some some good ideas now. So it, it's kind of like one of those things where, uh, like, if you invite somebody over for for breakfast and you serve cereal, and then the next week you serve cereal and eggs. Uh, and then you serve bait. Like, you can't go back to cereal, right? So we're like, all right, what do we do? So we'll see how long this thing runs for, but uh, it's been fun. I mean, the college students started it. They still kind of manage it and run it. I'm just the uh, the guy that, that finds the monk. The that talent. Who do the videos with. Yes. I, I love the Steve Irwin impressions when you were in – was it Florida you guys were just saying? Oh, dude, yeah. That I was, was great. I was at a conference with these students, and I told them, I said, guys, listen – the only goal I have is to find an alligator and to like <laughs> do like conquer it like Steve Irwin used to. So they're like, all right, well, we'll keep our eyes open. Well, uh, you know, we're in Orlando for this conference and I'm trying to look up. We had like a whole day to kill to try to do stuff. I'm like, what do you do in Orlando with 10 people that doesn't cost like a thousand dollars just to go like Disney World or something? So I looked up and I saw that they had this miniature golf course. So I was like, all right, well, let's go mini golf in Orlando in January. So we walk down to this miniature golf course and, you know, you get your club and you get your ball that you pick, whatever. And we're about to go to the first hole. And the guy that runs the thing stops us. He says, here, you're going to need this. And he hands me this uh, paper bag. And I'm like, what is this? I reach in there like, like protein pellets or something like you give your dog. And he goes, you'll see. So we go through and we realize that there's like alligators all over the place that uh, they're like in pits they're like in, you know they're not going to attack you but you'd you go mini golfing and then you'd get to drop in like these food and the alligators would come up and get it and i was like guys we have to make a monk on the streets right now so <laughs> oh it's awesome yeah that was great and and what i really love about monk on the streets is you mentioned before you have to feed people who are hungry before you're mm-hmm. able to you know, before you preach the gospel, before you try to evangelize. I mean, it's all part of evangelization, but you got to feed them first. And I think what you have going on right now is that, you know, it is, and it's perfect. And it's perfect for the audience that you're going after. And the young people, I mean, heck, even, well, I guess... we're I'm, still considered. Yeah, we're, I'm 29. So I, I guess I'm not, I'm not, I'm not too old yet, but you know, everyone I show this to, they're just like, that's, he's a monk. What? He's not a real monk. No way. No. Yeah, he is. And, and this is, they're human too. I don't know if you knew that, but they're actually humans. And, uh, and, and, and this is how you connect with them. This, you got to have a, that connection with them first. Like Andy yeah. said, you have to, you need trust. And that's one way to build trust is through comedy. I, you know, I, I love, and, and I love comedy. And, and here's what I always tell people, you know, when it comes to, uh, just the existence of God, for example, you know, you get a lot of people that say that, you know, well, science can't prove that God exists. Well, uh, you're looking at it the wrong way because science uh, is used to explain the natural world. We have other things that can also explain truths. You know, it, how does science explain the supernatural? It can't. That's its limitation. So you can get at it with art. You can get at it with beauty and philosophy, with comedy, with all these yeah. other things that that have truth. And, and I, I see what you're doing and it's just, I don't know. It makes my heart like glow. I, I love it. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah don't at, give at up. First, I was a little, I was a little concerned once it started uh, getting some traction. Cause I thought, man, am I, uh, 
am I like compromising some monastic gravitas, you know, which is like monastic, you know, seriousness that people expect monks to have. And I talked to a couple well-respected monks here about it. And uh, I came to the conclusion like, man, um, in a world that takes things like so seriously nowadays and like everything becomes like a big issue and problem, you know, just to be able to, to be lighthearted and try to get people to laugh a little bit. And one of my goals with it too is, um, you know, for every 10 kind of funny videos that we do, uh, I'll try to do something because I normally introduce it by saying like, Hey, welcome to monk on the streets. I'm a monk or not actually on the street. And I'd always just, that became like kind of how all of them start because I was never actually on the street, but that's the title that they made of this. Um, so now I try to make occasional videos where I actually go to a street and I'll say, um, you know, monk in the streets, I'm a monk or on a street, which means that it's time for some real talk. And I probably have five or six videos of actually just trying to say some, some truth um, uh, about, about the gospel or about God or just trying to invite people to come back and spend some time uh, praying. And I'll try to post those ones like right before people go to bed because a lot of these college students or anybody that uses a cell phone, what do you do at 11 at night right before you go to bed? You start scrolling through your social media and whatever. So if your last interaction with social media can be some goofy monk telling you like, hey, God loves you, come back and say a prayer before you go to bed tonight, then uh, I see that as a big win for all the goofy stuff that I, I do. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, you know, yeah, we just started this podcast. So like we were saying, joking, that you're our first um, real not only our own guest, our first guest, but you are also a celebrity for this podcast. The Thank first God. big celebrity of 900 followers. Uh, not to, you know, don't let your ego get too big because I know it won't. Um, but the thing is, is that like having the ability to reach people and get their attention and then be able to give them the gospel. I mean, that's exactly what the Pope does. You know, the whole mm. purpose of pontiff, and which means bridge builder, is to make that first human interaction and laughter, which brings joy, which brings such great comfort of joy and warmth is a great opportunity to enter into someone's life to then discuss more uh, serious topics, right? If you just came around and acted like the serious guy all the time, I'm not sure um, the kids on the campus would, you know, connect with you as well as they do. Right. You're meeting them where they're at. Yeah. And that's one, it's, it's a great way to, to build that bridge. Absolutely. Yeah. I definitely meet a lot of kids. Like I'll walk around campus and kids I never met. I don't know them at all. They'll be like, eh. like there was some lady today. I don't know if she was a student or works in the college, whatever. She like looks at me like, like she knows me. And I'm like, hello. She's like, monk on the street. <laughs> like, oh, hey, how's it going? So I, I get really embarrassed and stuff, but in our own little St. Vincent bubble, it's, it's a fun thing to do. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I know it's reaching, as we know, it's reaching a lot of different people. And uh, it, it's just funny that Vince saw it first and um, I said, hey, look at this. He's, yeah, I've already seen it. This is great. And like, I know this guy pretty well. So I think it's awesome that um, you're doing this. And, you know, from one brother to another, I, I hope that you keep up this awesome work because uh, it might seem like it's a joke or it's a waste of time or something, but it honestly, um, that's one way that we encounter people is just being human, recognizing mm. that, you know, it's the human interaction that we crave so much. And it's the human interaction that we continue to have to um, grow this 
mission and to continue to follow Christ as he commanded us to go out to all the nations and proclaim the good news. Amen. Amen, brother. Hey, Brother Barnabas, I want to take just an opportunity now to, to really thank you um, for, you know, killing uh, an hour of your time with us and uh, all the fun of technology, trying to contact back and forth and the dropping the signal. So thank you for being willing to do this with us and taking time out of your day, because I know I remember the days and Tuesday night being the Friday night of the middle of the week for seminary. It's always, you know, like you don't want to give up your Tuesday nights because it's basically the only Friday night you get off. So thanks again for giving up your Friday night for us. Yes. Thank you. And yeah, man. I'm going to, I'm going to leave it up to you to, uh, for, you know, for some closing remarks here, anything you want to plug, anything you want to talk about, you know, before we end the show here, um, the floor is yours. Wow. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, I just want to thank you guys for, for letting me hop on here. This has been fun. Um, and for the, the work that you're doing to, uh, start this podcast and, and get people to just ask some questions. And, uh, I guess, um, I'd say in addition to, uh, the fun stuff with muck in the streets, uh, just bringing laughter, uh, into people's lives and stuff. The one thing that I've realized the past couple of years that I think, um, is the most important thing. Um, you know, the gospel say this time and time again, but. Uh, I haven't been able to come up with an idea better than this, uh, that really, that love is the most important thing. That if we can just uh, make a decision to kind of get over whatever it is that bogs us down from being fully alive and just say like, man, how, how can I actually love people the way that I'm designed to be loved? Um, I think uh, we really find a lot of people find the solutions to whatever problems they have. So I have no practical thing to plug other than find freedom through love and laughter. Amen. Yes. Amen. Yes. That was beautiful. So Thanks, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And, uh, I think that's, uh, and you got anything else, Andy? Just remember, uh, first off, go over to Instagram and find monk on the streets. Yes. And follow it for your daily dose or every so often dose of humor and joy. And it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, and also make sure that you like our podcast on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, etc., and uh, share it with whoever you can. If you can share it with one person and then they share it with one person, it'd be great. We'd, be, we'd love it. So whatever you can do to help us out there, as always, you can find us online at EncounterMercy.com and uh, check out our contact page for any other ways to get a hold of us. All right. So that's going to wrap it up for today. So uh, we, we thank Brother Barnabas uh, once again. And uh, we just ask that you have a good, blessed night. See you next week. All right, God bless. Thanks.